Pastor Tom and Sue's Hatch, all the way from Blenheim, Elam. And uh, you will notice the last name is similar to uh, Jaden's last name. That would be because they are his parents. So we are so blessed to have them. The ministry they carry, they're part of the Elam movement, uh, and they are the deputy leaders um, of our dep- deputy national leader of our Elam movement. So uh, we are so blessed to have you guys with us this morning, and we would love to have you come and share with us. Thank you. Roger, Roger. Wow. I got to kind of get myself together after that item. We walked in this morning and the team were practicing and it was like, oh, it's not very fair. You're only 30 seconds in the building and you start crying. I mean, what's with that? What's with that? You know, what's with that? That's because you guys are sitting on something here. I, uh, I had to grab my pencil and and, uh, and begin to scribble on this. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in a second, but I do believe prophetically that you are sitting on something here, which we'll get into. But um, you know, I, I thought it would be easier, easy to discern the change of seasons until Suzanne and I moved north and it's just green and warm and the only thing that changes the season up here is it rains more. <laughs> I haven't seen rain like that in I don't know how long. And uh, down home, it's a little easier to discern the change of season. Um, beautiful skies, but you wake up and the whole deck and the back lawn are white with frost and ice and it's minus three. And uh, even our cat hasn't figured it out. Just the other day, it was itching to get outside in the morning and so we let it out and we went, the deck's frozen and it went out and it just sat in the middle of the deck and when it moved, there was this perfect butt print and a tail in the ice. Why do I, why do I, why am I talking about seasons? Um, As each season in our year changes there are usually three phases to that change in season the first is kind of like this sense so kind of like uh, do, do you guys feel that up here in the winterless north do you kind of go oh it's something you kind of sense there's a change i mean it's always green um but you see the second the second phase of a season changes first you sense it then you feel it that, that, like where we are the temperature starts to drop and then the third one is you begin to see it you know all the leaves start to change color and and suddenly the deck is white in the morning and you get up and you, you walk outside and you do take that first breath in the morning and all the hair and the guy's noses freezes and cracks. And, um, but, you know, as the scriptures teach us, we live both in the natural and the spiritual. And, and this is just booming a little bit here, Brian. And I'm, for those of you who don't know, I'm ex-military. I served for 20 years and I do know how to speak on a parade ground. <laughs> I'll leave it to your expert care. You're amazing. Uh, you know, aren't, our, aren't our tech guys, aren't they worth absolute gold? Can we just love on our tech guys this morning? You guys rock the house. Thank you so much. Even when a visiting speaker comes and none of his slides fit your format and they have to scramble. Um, you know, as, as we live in the natural, we also live in the spiritual. The Bible tells us that. And as used to we are as seasons changing in the natural, we've actually got to get equally as used to that in the spiritual, that seasons change in the spiritual. And I believe, Elam Christian Center North, I, I believe we are in such a season. I believe we are in such a season, season for our whole movement. And uh, this season shift is going to require us to, to stretch and shift in our thinking. 
And uh, I, I just like to, the, the first prophetic thing I'd like to declare of you this morning is that reach, serve, and influence, the limits that you understand of reach, serve, and influence no longer abide. Because actually, the, the, the length of your reach, the depth of your serving, and the magnitude of your influence, I believe prophetically, is going to shift significantly for Whangarei, but for Northland. And uh, I, I prophetically believe that, uh, that Whangarei, I mean, I'm sure you probably heard this as a gateway. And most often, when we think of gateways, perhaps you think maybe the anointing's coming from the south. The Australians would love us to believe that. Um, but actually, I actually believe that you guys, you guys are not just a gateway, but you are a position of transition for both going south, but also coming north. I believe there is a shift of the anointing that you guys are going to herald in that's going to go north. And I, I, I speak that prophetically, your reach and your serve and your influence, the limits that you have within your thinking right now, they no longer, uh, they're, they're no longer correct. It, it's time to, there's a, there's a season shift coming. For as long as mankind's been alive, change has happened. It's the crazy thing, but it's the one constant thing. The one constant thing in life is change. One constant thing. Even if we decide to sit still and do nothing and do everything we can to not change, everything around us is going to. And by default, we will too. Because if we just sit still and do nothing, naturally our muscles will atrophy. We'll get skinnier. Um, you know, uh, the, everything changes. Even if you decide to sit and do nothing, everything changes. So uh, we need, just need to ex- accept that. Generally, at the heart of change, generally at the heart of change is there's an innate desire to do better or to go further, to set records, break records, to improve, to increase, to boldly go. Any trickies in the house? To boldly go where no man has gone before? Or how about any Toy Story fans in the house? To infinity and beyond! Any Buzz fans in the house? Okay. All right. Okay, there we go. A little bit of transparency. I love animated movies. All right. And I'm growing to love Star Trek. I'm convinced that whilst we think we've got it all under control, we may not see it and we may not understand it, but I believe there is this inbuilt, innate desire within every living human being to go beyond their limits. We may not see it, we may not understand it, it may not be prevalent at all times, but I believe it is there in every human being. I mean, just for instance, at the recent Commonwealth Games, 23 records were broken. Some of them were world, some of them were Commonwealth. Some were broken in the heats and then broken again in the finals with 23 records. New Zealand is known, this tiny little nation at the bottom of the globe, it's known for punching above its weight. It sets records all over the world. It's innovative. The, uh, have, has anyone seen the concept design of the, the, the planing monohull for the next America's Cup? That is just design insanity, but also cool. Go beyond your limits. Go beyond. Kiwis are known for it. Why is this? I believe there are two reasons. The first reason is because who made us? And the second thing is because of who made us. Inside us, there is a creation-level yearning. There is a creation-level setting within us to get back to our original sin-free supernatural beyond human limits creation. When you think about that, We were made in the image of God, the limitless, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God of the heavens and the earth. Our creation-level DNA has the humanly impossible written into its deepest code. If we had an electron beam microscope strong enough, 
that could literally look into a human DNA and keep going down and keep going down. I think, you'll, I think right in the deepest code of our human DNA, you would find something quite divine that says, I can speak things into being as if they were not. See, the scriptures don't say that God made something out of nothing. It says that he made something out of that was not seen. There, there is the core of our faith. Believing in something today, not something but someone who most of us have not seen. I've met a few people who have seen the hands and feet of God. And I, I heard of one man who, on, on an altar call who saw the Holy Spirit, person of the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, oh my Lord, what must have that been like? Our government just recently has waxed and canned all further oil and gas exploration in the whole New Plymouth area. You know what? We cannot follow our government when it comes to spiritual things. We cannot stop exploration, digging for oil. We've got to keep digging for oil. We've got to keep digging for oil. We've got to keep digging for oil. But the message that I'm going to bring this morning is a bit looking into that change pursuit. What do we do when we when we reach our limit, what do we do when we can't go any further than we've been before? And so my message this morning is called Perhaps God Beyond Our Limits. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you for the calling that's on them. I thank you for the blessing that you have declared and pronounced over them. And I ask now that Holy Spirit, you who is the power of heaven, you who was the power that raised Jesus from the grave, you who Hovered, the scriptures say you hovered over what was chaos, and then when God spoke, beauty and order and, and amazingness came out of it. That's what I'm asking of you today. Would you hover over this place? And would you allow and usher in and herald the voice of God as He declares, Let there be? So that when we see where we're at, see what our limits are, we can hear your voice going, That's your limit. This is where I want you to go. Holy Spirit, help me deliver it. Holy Spirit, help us all receive truth and revelation today in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we, we need to grapple with this. We need to realize that whilst we have earthly limits, we worship a limitless God who is beyond measure, who can do phenomenal things, who is miraculous to the very core of his being. And while we humanly can't do the impossible, he can. But here's the crazy thing. He chooses that he can to go through the you. He chooses to do the impossible through you. He chooses to do the mind-blowing beyond what we're capable of thinking or imagining through you. Remember the first time I prayed for someone who had one leg shorter than the other and, uh, and I, watched, I watched the leg grow out. I was like, oh, that's seriously cool. <laughs> and then I thought, what just happened? It was like, I prayed for it, I believed it, I saw it happen, and then I started to go, what just happened? And it was like the Holy Spirit said, well, duh, <laughs> what did you just ask for? Something that was humanly impossible. What's required for us to, to live in that realm? What's required for us to let the humanly impossible happen through us, through a limitless God? Number one is this, faith, willing, obedient, and persistently available. And I say that on purpose, the persistently available, because like the scripture says, ask, seek, and knock. That's not just a one-off. You don't ask once, you don't seek once, and you don't knock once. 
if you want to get into the grammar, it's the present continuous. It's like ask and ask and ask and ask. It's, you know what, the, Mike, Pastor Mike was saying at the beginning in, a, in the, the team meeting in, the, in a bit of worship, he, he said, you've got to come like a little child. And he was talking about his kids asking for cuddles. And um, you know what, I'm 53 this year and I still love cuddles. But anyway, as, as a kid, you just got to keep asking. Mommy, 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 daddy, daddy, daddy. Daddy says, ask your mother. Mom said, ask your father. And the kid goes, I'm going to ask. I don't care. Would someone just answer me? And if that doesn't work, the kid talks to the dog or the teddy bear, but he still wants an answer. Persistent, continuously available, willing and obedient. Isaiah 1.19, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And it's, the and is really important there. It's not just willing and it's not just obedient. It's willing and obedient. Because you can, be, you can be obedient and not willing. Sit down, son. I'm standing up on the inside. How many of, how many of us have done that? Not just as kids, but to God. You know? You can be willing, but not obedient. The Bible talks about two brothers. One said yes and didn't do the job, and one said no, but then he went and did the job. It's, it's a both end. We tend to set, you know what, we, we tend to set our limits to our own comfort level. And uh, we, we go, oh, I, I, yeah, okay, I can do this. I know I can do this. I, uh, okay, I can, yeah, I can, I, I can, I can make a coffee. I don't mind making a coffee for someone. But would you, would you take them out and buy them a coffee? Or, yeah, I don't mind, I, I, I don't mind texting someone saying, hey, what's up? You doing all right? But would you... Walk with them for 14 weeks through a discipleship program. See, we're really good at doing the ones, the twos, and the fews, but I believe we're entering a time, Elam Christian Center North, where we need to dream, pray, and operate beyond these self-set limits of comfort and begin to look at how Jesus operated. We recently celebrated Pentecost, and Jesus, being fully man, needed to be filled fully with the Holy Spirit to do what he was called to do. When he ascended to heaven, his instructions to the disciples was to wait until they too received the same power that he had. And then his declaration over them was this, greater things than these shall you do. I I mean, I used to think, man, what does it get any better than raising the dead or walking on water? Is there anyone in the house who's tried to do both of those? Oh, okay, there's a couple of crazies with me. One of these days it's going to work. You know, I have this dream. I'm at a beach and someone's drowning. And my dilemma is this. Do I walk out and get them or do I part the water and let them walk into me? I can't figure it out. Both work, but I kind of, it would be cool to do either. <laughs> Greater things than these. I think this is, this is the, the, the dimension of that phrase. When Jesus was walking on earth, he was one guy doing it all. But then the Holy Spirit came and now we can all do what Jesus did. So the greater things in this is not the fact that the same miracle, it's the fact that there's scale, not the ones, the twos, and the fews, but there's scale. What do I mean by that? Let me unpack that a little bit further for you. Um, Jesus fed the 5,000, or he healed everyone he laid his hands on. And let me just read that to you. Matthew 14, 14, 16, Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this isn't necessary. You feed them. Now, 
We know from the scriptures that the number wasn't 5,000. In actual fact, it was closer probably to 20. Because in Hebrew counting, they only ever counted the males from 13 years old and up. So it's quite easy mathematically to discern there was at least 20,000 people there. Here's the kicker. Realizing the disciples, when they looked out and Jesus, they went, these guys need to be fed. They realized they'd reached their limit. And then this is what they said to the Lord. Send them away. Send them away. Is that what we'll be like? Do do we really want what we're praying for? Do, Do we really want the power of God to move on and through this place in healing like it did when Jesus walked the earth? Because if we do, then we've got to be prepared to wake up in the morning and go outside to get our paper and find people camped on our front lawn in our driveway waiting for us to come out just so they can be touched to be healed or to be walking down the, what's it called, the loop or something down by the waterfront down here on a sunny day and people laying the sick so that your shadow will pass over them like they did with Peter or to be walking through, does Whangarei have a Kmart? Blenheim, Blenheim's getting one. Thank you, Jesus. All the ladies are so excited, and I know I can buy good jeans cheaply when I go there. Uh, but, I mean, would you, are you prepared to walk through Kmart and just be so many people, and you suddenly feel a power move out of you, someone's healed, and you go, who touched me? And your friends go, duh, look who's around. What do you mean? Because that's exactly what happened with Jesus. He said, who touched me? And his disciples went, what? What a stupid question. Just take a look, Lord. Do, do, uh, do we want people? Do we want so many people to get saved that Pastor Mike and Pastor Amy are going to come up to each and every one of you who are believers in Jesus Christ and say, "We've got fifty people that need your love and need you to walk them through the scriptures for the next fourteen weeks in a discipleship course." Would you do it? Would you? I want you to think carefully before you answer that question. (laughs) Because they're sitting in the front and they've got a recording going and they know your voices. (laughs) I've started praying a prayer that I've never ever prayed before over these recent weeks. I was was driving home from Christchurch listening to a podcast where the speaker was talking about this very parable and that, that phrase, send them away, it was like the Holy Spirit up went, boof. I had this big Holy Ghost handprint on the side. Not that he slaps people in the face, but it was like the, think about this. My prayer that I've started praying, I've never prayed this before, but I am now praying this desperately. God, never, ever, ever let me be a send them away disciple. We should not see our personal limits as the end of things, but actually as the beginning of the next. When we reach our limit, we need to pause and evaluate. And this is the question we need to ask. Is this limit my comfort zone or is this limit what God has declared? Because he made you. He knows your limits. But our comfort tends to have voice over our limits. You see, our limit is not the end of us. Our limit is our current dimension. 
It's our current dimension. Every one of us, every one of us needs to get into a a growth spurt and kick out the walls of the box. There's a great story in the Old Testament that shows what happens when people reach their limits. And there were two decisions made. Both of these decisions were incredibly risky. Only one of them paid off. Here's the story. 1 Samuel 13 verses 2 through 5. Sorry, verse 2 and 5. Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel, sent them out rest home. He took 2,000 of the men with him to Mishmash in the hill country of Bethel. The other 1,000 went with Saul's son, Saul's son, son, John, Saul's son, Jonathan, to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Verse 5, the Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. And they camped at Mishmash. East of Bethaven. Theologians, if you dig into your Strong's Concordance and uh, things like that, it says that there, some of them have said there were 30,000 chariots. But I mean, warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. Now, let me give you a little background here in 1 Samuel 13 again. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plows, picks, axes, and sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. So here's, picture this, picture this. I mean, it's easy for me, military background, exercises, war games, it's like, oh, I like that sort of stuff. <laughs> but, you know, 3,000 Israeli troops and a minimum. Someone else is excited too. 3,000 Israeli troops and 30,000 plus Philistine troops and blunt picks and axes and sickles and maybe the occasional sword or worse, no weapons at all. Kind of think that might might have been a, a military strategic limit right there, right there. But here is, here are, let me break down the two decisions that were made at that time by two different people. The first one, Saul himself. So Saul took charge, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. He went ahead and he sacrificed the burnt offering no sooner. Had he done it, then Samuel showed up, Saul greeted them. Samuel said, what on earth are you doing? A little bit of background. The only person that was allowed to do the sacrifice was the priest. Samuel said, I will be here. And he hadn't showed up when he said he would. And so this was the, this was the, the freaky thing that Saul did. He made a rash decision through impatience and fear. Sammy said, what on earth are you doing? Saul said, when I saw I was losing my army under me and that you hadn't come when you said you would and the Philistines were poised to mishmash, I said, the Philistines are about to come down on me in Gilgal. I haven't yet come before God asking for help. So I took things into my own hands. How often do we do that? And I sacrificed it. You know what the result was? Saul lost his anointing, he lost his kingship, and, eventually, and, and, and ultimately lost his life. So the first risk, the first decision that can be made in a time when we've reached our limits is through either impatience or fear, we will make a rash decision and take things into our own hands. Disaster! <laughs> warning, warning, warning! Great old TV program, Lost in Space. Warning, warning, Family Robinson. Warning, warning. I just discovered on Netflix that they remade that. I've watched all 10 episodes. I loved it. (laughs) Here's the second decision. Take God at his word. Oh, that's a novel idea. 
1 Samuel 14, then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many of you. So his armor bearer said, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Oh, who loves a good armor bearer? Come on, every pastor, give me five of those, Lord. You know what the result was? Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 Philistines. The other 29,980 of them fled in absolute terror. That is one of the greatest military victories I've ever read about. Killed 20 and chased 29,980 of them away. That's outstanding, isn't it? So you can either make a rash decision out of fear of impatience or you can take God at his word. Guess what? Both of them are risky. Both of them are risky. So how do we, how do we choose the right risk? Here's the, here's the first thing. What are we, oh, yep. hearing, hearing it firsthand from God. That's how we do it. Hearing it firsthand from God. Commit to having God as your primary form of counsel. This is crucial, knowing that the right paths that you walk on are the ones that God has given you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek Him in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. You know, Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so that the only place that you could hear from Him was here on a Sunday morning through whoever was pastoring or preaching on the day. You know what? Jesus came and died on the cross so that each and every one of you can have a personal one-on-one conversation with God. Each and every one of you can get a personal individual download from the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who stands outside of time, the one who knows all things that are going to happen within the limits of time. If you don't believe me, take a risk. Why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? Quite a number of years ago, I was going through a bunch of stuff. And God was going, I can handle stuff. And I was given some homework from from my counselor. And this is what my counselor said. Every morning, I want you to get up and I want you to ask God one question and be poised with pen. I said, okay, I can do that. What's the question? What do you think of me today, God? And I went, I can't do that. Because I already know what he thinks of me. Did you hear what I just said? I already know what he thinks of me. And I said, to, I, I, I froze. I said, I can't do that. And she goes, yes, you can. But what if he says amazing things? I can't believe that. And she said, why not? I said, because it's not true. She said, according to who? Shit. <laughs> Scary counselor. And, and, and she said, I don't care whether you believe it or not. Write it down every morning. So I thought, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm obedient. I wasn't too, too willing at the time, but I did it. And you know what? This is what happens when truth gets spoken over your life. It starts to take hold. It starts to take hold. And, you know, in a little while, I was walking a little bit taller, which naturally wasn't too hard, but inside... Inside, it was really hard. A little bit later, someone would say, man, it was awesome. And I could go, it wasn't bad, eh? The truth started to take hold. Hearing it firsthand from God. See, the scriptures are really clear. It says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that, what's the so that? 
we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the second thing, first thing, hear it from God. The second thing, ooh, uh, this, ooh, the second thing, in the name of Jesus. Darlene Check wrote a song called that right in the middle of when she was dealing with cancer. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As If you've been a believer in the house of God for any length of time, you go, yeah, I know that one, that's great. The name of Jesus above every other name. And you know, it's, it's cliche, it rolls off. But do you know the power of what that is saying? Have you ever noticed how often the name of God is mentioned throughout scriptures? Have you ever thought about why the name of God is so significant and central to the word? Why is his name a refuge in a strong tower? Why is it so important that we never take the name of the Lord in vain? Why is it imperative that we bless his name, exalt his name, praise his name, and when we pray in his name, things happen? 21st century mindset about a name is it's just not that important, it's just a name. Why did, you, why did you name your child that? Because, well, he, he looked like a Joseph. I wonder if he looked like a Joseph because that's what God has put in Joseph. See, the Hebrew mindset of a name is so important. The name is not just a name. It's an entire identity. It's a revelation, a message, a description of the unique attributes and the characters and the personalities of the individual carrying that name. See, the reason we sing what a beautiful name it is, is not because Jesus is a beautiful name, it's because Jesus is beautiful and wonderful and powerful. When we run into a strong tower of his name, we are running into the strong tower of Jesus. When we declare over us that the name of Jesus is healing, it's because Jesus is the healer. It's not because he has special protective powers or the name doesn't have special protective powers or healing powers. It's because Jesus is the refuge. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is our strength. We begin our prayers um, to the Father as Jesus suggested with holy or hallowed be your name. And we end our prayers in the name of Jesus because we enter into his pray- presence with thanksgiving. And we have confidence, according to Hebrews, to draw near to the throne of grace when we can go to Jesus so that... The only way we can actually truly enter into the presence with boldness is when we have an absolute certainty of his identity. You know why? You know why the kid will, your, your child will almost break down the back door when they get home from school or sport or something and, and, and they've got a player of the day or they've got a green card or, or a great report or they just had a great day. You know why they'll just go... <laughs> and just about take you out at your knees because they want to get close to you. You know why? Because there's an absolute certainty that you are their dad or you are their mum. And they, can, they come into your presence with no shame, no, no, no worry, no fear. It's like absolute certainty. I know who that is. It's my dad. Uh, when a bully picks up, just you wait till I tell my dad. Just you wait. Or if, you know, that classic where the bully's picking on, on the kid and all you see is the, the face, face of the, the, the bully and then the face changes and the camera pans back and big brother's standing behind little brother. Certainty of identity. That's how we can come boldly into the presence of God. And we ha- that's how and that's where we can get a personal one-on-one download, first-hand knowledge of God. The commandment 
says this, that we never take his name in vain. It parallels the commandment of the Lord to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And thus, we never take the name of the Lord for granted and we never belittle it with our lips. You see, his name is holy because he is holy. So what has that got to do with when we reach our limits? Could the worship team please come? What has that got to do when we reach our limits? You see, in faith, we come to God for a first-hand download. In faith, we stand on, call on, and believe in the name of Jesus because he's the one who creates everything out of things that are not seen. He is the one who is our provider. He is the one who is our healer. He is the one who is our strength. He is the one who is our refuge because he is the one who is all of that. When Moses said, whom shall I say sent me? He just said, I am. That confused me for so many years as a young believer until I start to got to, started getting to a place of certainty in his identity. And then I realized when he said, I am, that was all he needed to say. So when you get to your limit, start calling on the I am because he is without limit. So by faith, we get firsthand advice. By faith, we stand on, call on, believe in his name. The third thing is we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then perhaps God, it may be that the Lord will take you beyond your limit, give you the strength to go boldly where you've never been before, to talk to that friend that you've walked with just through friendship for decades from school right through into the workplace to make the big ask. You know that I've been a believer for all these years. Have you ever considered that the peace I have in my life is not because of what I am, but because of Jesus to make the big ask? There are two things I believe for this morning. Number one, that people are going to get saved, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 10th time. I lost count of the number of times I came before God as a teenager and said, God, I blew it again. Would you receive me back again? God, I need you in my life again. The second thing that I absolutely believe is there are people in this house today who you passionately believe in God, but you keep coming up against the limit. You keep going, I can't get any further than this. And I believe this morning it's because you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You need to be filled with the same power that when you lay hands on the sick and you said, in the name of Jesus, they are recovered. Or when you grab one leg that's shorter than the other and go, well, Jesus, that crazy guy on Sunday said it works, so I'm calling on you. That same power that hovered at the beginning of the world, that hovered over chaos. And then God spoke and beauty and form and substance and shape and dimension came out of chaos. If your life is filled with chaos right now, and you're here, I believe, because the Holy Spirit's been hanging around you, but now the Holy Spirit wants to get inside you and fill you with the same peace and power that Pastor Mike and Amy and and the other leaders of this church carry and believe in and are praying that you will have as well. Maybe I should have started there. But if that's you, if you fit in that place, maybe for the first time you're going, maybe there's something. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, firstly, number one, you're not here by mistake. Number two, God knows you even better than you know yourself. And he is just waiting with open arms like a father going, come on, I want to give you the biggest cuddle that you've ever had. 
But more than that, I want to hold you and, and take all the junk and the worry and the fear out of your heart, fill you with me so that you know peace like you've never known it before, that you know hope like you've never known it before, that you know purpose like you've never known it before because that's what God does. Maybe circumstance in life has broken that, but it's time to reconnect. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass back to Pastor Mike now, but would you this morning respond? Either for the first time or that, however many times, would you call Jesus? Would you call on Him and say, God, I need you in my life again? And if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, that power can fill your life. Would you would you step out? Would you take a bold step, perhaps beyond your limit? Step into not the great unknown because God knows it all, but step into the great expectation of, oh my goodness, God has so much more for you this morning. Would you stand as I pray? Father, Lord, I thank you for this church, God of all the heavens and the earth. I'm asking that you would fill this house even more than you ever have before. Lord, that you would open up a well in this place, that open up this church, tap that reservoir so they can usher in, Lord God, your anointing in a greater dimension. But Lord, would you open up a well of salvation and a well of release of your Holy Spirit power upon this place. Now come, Holy Spirit, fill and flow in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, if you're here this morning, and uh, that, that, yeah, come on, let's, let's thank uh, Tom for that word this morning. You know, if that word was uh, really moving your heart, you know, you're feeling like you need to respond according to that word, you know, that, that you need God to be first in your life. Uh, the sin that's uh, messed you up and got you in all the wrong places, God wants to forgive that. He wants to set you right. He wants to get right relationship right with you again. This morning, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Would you, you, would you simply pray that prayer with me? Getting, getting your life right with God. Making your heart right with God again. He will take everything that, that, that is, is bothering and disturbing you and the sin that is, has caused you to fall and stumble. He will take that. He will make things new. He will make things right in your life and give you that new start, that fresh start with Him. Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. So would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I turn from my old way of living and choose to follow you. Thank you for your gift of salvation. I receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, why don't you talk with the person you came with this morning? And uh, we've got a team in the, in the guest lounge that would love to connect with you and, and just have that conversation and help you on that journey. Uh, but uh, we're going we're to finish with one song. And uh, you know, at the close.